0: This episode is supported by Dove. Narrow beauty standards have permeated our feeds, perpetuating beauty ideals that can't be achieved in real life, impacting girls' self-esteem. To help combat this, the Dove Self-Esteem Project is taking action to support the next generation so that they can have a positive experience on social media by providing free resources to parents, mentors, and educators. Dove is tackling the issue of digital distortion with reverse selfie, a film rooted in new research on body confidence from the Dove Self-Esteem Project. They're also providing a new confidence kit so that kids and parents can navigate social media with confidence and have a more positive experience online. So head on over to dove.com slash the selfie talk to download the new confidence kit and helpful tips to have the selfie talk today. But Alex. Yeah, Shane.
1: Let's begin this episode.
0: Let's do it hello everyone i'm alex and i'm here with my husband shane the babies are in bed the cat is in her room and we are so glad you could join us for happy hour on this family tree podcast episode 108
1: and it's a late one
0: holy crap shane we haven't done a podcast this late since betty was like days old
1: did we do it this late ever yeah.
0: When Betty was a newborn because we were going to bed so late anyway. And do you remember we we like she'd wake up, we'd have to stop for a half hour to feed and to do diapers. And then by the time we'd finish, it would be like 1130.
1: I don't remember ever starting oh, after 10, but wow. Okay. We went
0: through the gauntlet. It, we wouldn't start after 10. We'd start at nine and it would take us two and a half hours to do one episode.
1: Wow. Well, who do we have on the show today? We could talk about (laughs) us and our annoyances all day. but
0: So we have Libby Ward, Diary of an Honest Mom. She is wonderful. We actually, we met recently at a huge night, a big night. We talked about it last week on last week's pod, but... Libby and I discuss validation and perfection in motherhood, what that is, how you can achieve it, why we don't achieve it, our perceptions of those things. We talk about how our own experiences shape the parents that we want to be, and then we really get into discussions about postpartum depression, mental health in general, and why it's so important for moms to be in tune with how they are feeling mentally.
1: How do you think this interview went?
0: great i loved talking to libby she was great it was so fun and honestly just after connecting with her in person at that big bash last week i was so excited to uh sit down with her again
1: at the bash was she one of the women grinding with the male strippers (laughs) no she wasn't no 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 is this woman code
0: no it is not woman code she was not grinding with the strippers Okay. The bartenders, Shane. They were not strippers. Well, the bartenders
1: became strippers at a point.
0: They already (laughs) had very little clothes on. They didn't have anything to take off.
1: All right. But shall we begin?
0: Shall we begin? Heck yeah. And Shane, before we begin, cheers.
1: Cheers to us.
0: We doing doing a simple one. Seed lip grow 42 with a little fever tree tonic water. A little orange garnish for, for color. And, you know, f- that fresh citrus taste.
1: Well, it's very fresh. It's very delicious. I appreciate it as usual. You're but welcome. my eyelids are closing. <laughs> I know. So it's- we better get into it, right? Let's
0: get into it. Let's get into it.
1: Is it time to cut my hair? That's what I want to know. Uh, okay,
0: I know you're going to want to cut it. You're filming a show next month. You're probably thinking you should cut it for that. And, I mean, this is a big project for you. So ultimately... Do whatever you need to do. I don't think you should
1: cut it. No, but I'm saying, is this the sweetest spot it's been in? I haven't cut my hair since COVID kind of reared its ugly head. I'm just thinking, a lot of people are saying I look like Dave Grohl lately. And then I saw the cover of this magazine. <laughs> I'm showing Alex a picture where David Grohl doesn't necessarily look cool. I called him David Grohl. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> he looks like a David there, Yeah, not he looks a Dave, like he's right? from biblical times,
1: so I called him David.
0: I'm into it. I'm into it. I, I think maybe if you got like a trim, maybe some kind of I don't know if men get layering, but if you just had something done and honestly, I think, I think the Billy biggest,
1: Ray Cyrus gets his hair layered, but I don't know if that's the look we want to go for.
0: No, but he like straightens his hair also because your hair naturally has a nice wave to it, a nice curl. It would look better and it might give you some more volume and not. You know what I mean? Just try it. And then if it's bad, cut it.
1: Yeah, I'm not saying I'm going to get a short, short haircut. I'm just saying I feel like it's past its cool point.
0: I think it's at its cool point if you leave it like this and just, like, maintain this. Okay. I think it looks good.
1: Do you have a thing for Harlequin novels? Because I f- we just did a skit that revolved around <laughs> it, but I honestly feel like you do. And this is a serious question.
0: But what makes you feel like I do?
1: <sighs> well, I don't want to get into it too much, but the way you, I don't know pull on my hair and like <laughs> like put my hair up in a bun and just like it just fe- <laughs> I don't mean it, like you know
0: okay I've never read I a don't Harlequin. mean
1: romantically I no, just mean you I've, know. I've
0: never read a Harlequin novel are I've you never into read... the
1: covers of Harlequin novels I know you're a very visual person
0: yes like am I into uh long-haired buff men yeah. Yes.
1: Okay. Yes. So you're not a Timothy Chalamet, you're more of a Brad Pitt in that movie where he has very long hair.
0: I think he has long hair and a river runs through it as well, right? Legends of
1: the Fall. Legends of
0: the Fall, what's yes.
1: The, what's the one where he's really blonde? People are yelling at, at their the airpods Dracula right movie? now. The Dracula. <laughs> you know. Well he he might in that one too, interview with the vampire, but there's where he's really buff. It's like not Thor, but it's the olden times and am I making this up?
0: Probably not. Shane, it is late. My brain is broken.
1: Anyway, that's the type you like.
0: Yeah. Like if Mel Gibson wasn't Mel Gibson and somebody else played him in Braveheart, but with the same vibe, that's what I would be into. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's my ideal, I guess.
1: So you're not for the haircut. I'm not for the haircut.
0: You're living my fantasy right now.
1: Okay. I I told you
0: all we're missing is the kilt and then we're there.
1: I feel like you're the only person who's really enjoying the long hair.
0: Well, I'm enjoying it, and I'm your wife, and I'm the only person that matters, I guess, in this regard.
1: About to star in a TV show.
0: Who has made fun? Who said anything about your long hair?
1: Just when I go out, everyone's like, Hey, Dave Grohl, and... Uh, just looking at dave i don't think that's the person i want to look like right now and that's you, no offense to dave because i think he pulls it off but you
0: don't look like dave Bro. and okay i'm pulling up a picture that was posted on your other podcast account if anybody wants to check it out there's a photo and it's like shane and his two other podcast guys are on zoom with reba mcintyre shane this is the hottest you've ever looked in a photo Well, I must not
1: look very hot in photos then. No, you look. That just confirmed it.
0: Nah, you look super hot there.
1: Well, we could argue all day about how hot I am, but I think (laughs) (laughs) how hot in photos I am. But we should move on here. I got another topic.
0: All right, what is it?
1: Lucy scared of being a star, she told me while going to bed the other day. Oh, my
0: goodness. And
1: it really took me aback, I guess, because I thought at first she meant like a YouTube star, like a t- TikTok being famous. I thought maybe Nona had said, oh, your mm-hmm. your parents are TikTok stars. And I was like, oh, don't be afraid. She's, <laughs> and she's like, no, we're made of stars. We're all stars. Yeah. And I was like, I think that is true. I, I've heard we are mm-hmm. all made of stars, right? Mm-hmm. Like the Moby song <laughs> taught me that, I think. But it turns out that's actually scientifically true. It was probably everyone knows that. And so I went along with it. I was like, yeah, we we all are stars. Don't worry. Mm -hmm. She's like, yeah, but that's when we die. And then starts crying and talking about being separated from us and how we're not always going to be a family. That's a tough conversation to navigate. How do you handle that?
0: Oh, that was OK. So I went up there after you because you came down. And you're like, Alex, did you talk to Lou about this? And I was like, no, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I go up there
1: because I didn't conclude the conversation. I just mm-hmm. was like, who wants a treat? And I went down and got a muffin. <laughs> and by the time I came up and gave her the muffin, she hadn't talked about it in, anymore. And then you went up after me and she got really into it.
0: She got really into it. And she told me that she didn't want me to be a star without her. But then I was like, oh, well, you know, I'm thinking like about heaven. I'm like, well, we'll all see each other again one day, even if somebody becomes a star. And she goes, but then when we're all stars, we won't be together in our house. And I like she started crying because she was really feeling it. And then I started crying and it was the weirdest conversation cuz again took me aback and i know lucy does have a fascination with the dead and with cemeteries like I, she loves coco and she loves to walk through cemeteries and tell the people that you know have been buried that she loves them and that people miss them and things like that and I don't know if this is super good, if this is super weird, if like we're screwing her up with this, but she seems, she does seem, even though that was a tough night and an emotional one, she seems to have a decent grasp of it, and who knows? Honestly, it does make her
1: sad. Do we cut her off from Coco?
0: No, no. Coco's happy.
1: She does it all for the Coco, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I, I do think that in the grand scheme of things, it is helpful. And you, you know, especially when your kids are young and there are grandparents and great grandparents and it's difficult, but you do meet death at certain times. And everybody that listens to this podcast we'll knows our, you, yes, but, but they do know what situations we're in with our family. And, you know, we don't, we don't necessarily know how much time, uh, certain people have. So I think discussing things like this with lou will help
1: like here's who's on the docket <laughs> no, sorry, this is hard to say. that's what it seems like you're trying to say no, I, it's, we it's all know who's next <laughs> lucy we're not gonna lie to you i know you're three it's time that you need to know throw on the movie in time with justin timberlake <laughs> oh, no. as a starter
0: <laughs> you know what i'm trying to say
1: yeah. People are up next and you could place bets on who it'll probably be. So we need to prep them for it.
0: No, I'm, I'm just saying I don't think we, we need to prep her for it. But I think this preparation that we're doing that kind of was sprung on us might be helpful in the long run because then she'll have a basis of like, oh, you know, I could look up in the sky and think of this person. I could go to the cemetery and think of this person, and say hi to this person, things like that this is morbid to think about. This is really hard. Well, it really
1: affected you, and you were saying how sad you were after the fact. You were like, wow, one day we aren't gonna be a family altogether. So I wanted to ask you, what would you rather have, to be a family forever in perpetuity, Mm -hmm. or to live a normal lifespan? So you live on for infinity, or you live as we will, however long you're planning on living now.
0: If we live for infinity. Yes. Do, like, do the kids grow up and then still have their own kids? And then do those kids have kids? Like, do we get to see all that? Or are we just the Maybe same we'll ages? Maybe cu-
1: we'll cut off the thing at grandparents. Like, when <laughs> okay. they become grandparents, all of a sudden it's just like the chain ends, let's say. Yeah. Just for argument here. That. You, you prefer that than da- dying ever?
0: Oh, death really freaks me out. Um,
1: I think it freaks everyone out. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But it's it's not even like the fact that I will be dead one day, especially before that never really bothered me. What bothers me is not being able to see the things that – our kids do at some point in their lives and the things that are like 50 year
1: old lucy you you want to be able to see what she's up to
0: oh my god yeah because she's 50 years old she's still going to be like our baby right and we're still going to care about those things so much and the fact that she will go through hard times and really awesome Mm -hmm. times and just thinking about like you know the one person that i've lost that i really miss my Bobcha. it's like I want to tell her everything. And I get so upset when she's not around because I can't just call her and Mm -hmm. tell her some good news. And it's like, Lucy's going to be wanting to tell us good news. And Betty's going to be wanting to share awesome stuff with us. And they won't be able to. And that's going to make them sad. And I don't want them to be sad because, you know.
1: Makes you sad. Yeah. Uh, Do you know what just made me sad? I was thinking of 75-year-old Lucy. She's on the bus. And these punk teenagers (laughs) are, like, pushing her around. Yeah. And I'm dead and I wish I was there. I just had that thought of old Lucy made me really sad. She's 75 and she's getting picked on on a bus. Not, you know what we do? What?
0: Come down as ghosts. Yeah, but... Haunt the kids.
1: We don't know if ghosts can do that. You're they, always talking about this, but it's always like a joke.
0: No, I'm not joking.
1: I don't think ghosts can really have powers that way. I think
0: they can do things like aren't that. are more
1: ghosts doing things?
0: I think they are. And I think people write the people <laughs> like off aliens. as crazies. Yeah.
1: Okay, so... I
0: think that ghosts are doing stuff Well, how come sometimes? everyone
1: with a ghost story is a little
0: My you know, mom has strange. ghost stories.
1: Okay, I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> Lorna's normal, Lorna's normal, okay? I'm not getting sucked in any trap that you're trying to set for me. However, I don't think her ghost stories are so overtly ghosty. It's I also prob- have a ghost story. Let's hear it.
0: Really? Yes. Okay, okay. This a good time for it, too. Halloween's tomorrow. Ooh. So I'm in Madrid. You're in where? Madrid.
1: Oh, it's... Madrid in Spain sounded like you said my dream
0: <laughs> not my dream I'm, I'm in Madrid Spain uh working okay and there is a statue of just let me get this name oh
1: I know this story is this where you lose your rings or something no they, I okay. liked
0: earrings and they showed up have I told this before on the podcast
1: no you told me it but continue hold on this is actually a cool story I, I'm I'm only hemming and hawing because there has to be a real explanation
0: okay for it. So I was walking around one day, I had the day off, and it was our last day in Madrid. Mm-hmm. And I found a statue that I had been going to uh, a couple times. I just thought it was beautiful. It was in a really nice little square. And it was a statue of Federico Garcia Lorca, who is a poet.
1: I know who Federico know. <laughs>
0: and and I was reading some of his poetry there with one of my coworkers. And we were just really kind of enamored by everything. And then we, we you know, we kept walking and there were some little shops in the area and we went by this one shop and they had these gorgeous earrings. But I'm trying to be, you know, frugal. I'm spending money everywhere. So I didn't purchase them, but I wished I did. And like the second we got back to the hotel, I just think in my head, I'm like, ah, I wish I got those. Now we're leaving Madrid first thing in the morning. I'm not going to be able to get them. They were so unique. Anyway, we take a bus to San Sebastian, this is eight hours away by bus. We are in our room. It's me and my friend Megan. She was working with me, and we were we were room sharing. By the way, like we didn't know each other super well. It's not like we were like longtime friends who were gonna like, prank each other and stuff. You know, we were still getting to know each other, and in a professional way. So, we're in our room, and it's nighttime. Like we're sleeping, and all of a sudden. Our window slam shut. It was open to let Aaron slam shut. And our door, like the door to our room, flies open. Explain that, first of all. That is scary because if there's a gust of wind, it's coming from outside. It's going to push your window open and slam your door shut. It was opposite. Window shut, door open. So we're freaking out because we think somebody just tried to get in our room. Our door was locked nobody was in our room wake up the next morning the earrings that I was looking at were on my bed and I was like, Megan like this is so sweet of you thank you like I know you know we had a we had a traumatic night but this is a really nice way to wake up thank you and she's like, what are, what are you talking about I was like you bought me the earrings I was looking at like that's so nice And she was, Alex, I didn't buy you anything I was like, well th- how do you explain these and I held up the earrings she's like, Alex, like, what are you doing? Are you trying to, are you trying to scare me? Like I, we had a bad night. We were both in the room. You're trying to scare me. And I'm like, Megan, I'm not trying to scare you. You're trying to scare me. And we are kind of gotten a little bit of an argument about it. And neither one of us, I think I asked her last year and this was almost 10 years ago. And I was like, Hey, did you buy me those earrings? And she said, no and she thought i still purchased them and was trying to figure out it
1: could be the ultimate long play it could have been some man with a weird crush on you she,
0: no there cuz there there was something supernatural i forget what it is i, I got to look it up but there was something supernatural too that the tour guide was telling us about lorca's statue like something about spirits it like it's it was a weird situation why why did the window slam shut and the door slam open
1: the other day i went on a run and nona got very scared because the window slammed shut or something in the house like these things happen
0: and then the earrings
1: nona didn't get earrings when that happened but you're, you okay <laughs> ghosts may exist but what i'm saying is their ghostings are few and far between mhm so they're not for something that exists it's not really happening too often well and all the people with ghost stories seem to be more gullible type people who are a little bit different
0: <laughs> I, i'm gullible and different yes but you know i'm probably not telling this as spooky as i could i'll have megan on here one day and she can recount the story with me and do you, you want to feel her. my
1: crotch area right now why urine soaked you told it really well
0: it, what? <laughs>
1: I'm, it was a terrifying spooky story is my point maybe i didn't tell that joke properly <laughs> okay next thing Is Lucy a mommy's girl? And where's the daddy love is my topic.
0: What do you mean? I
1: thought every girl loves their dad. (laughs) These girls hate me.
0: Are you kidding me? They love you. Every
1: time I'm around, it's like, I wish you were mommy. (laughs) I love mommy more than you. This is literally coming out of their mouths. Not not Betty, because she can't talk yet, but it's coming one day.
0: Lucy never said. I go,
1: you love mommy more than me? Yeah.
0: She didn't say that.
1: She did. She loves you more. She wants you to put her to bed. She doesn't want me to put her to bed anymore.
0: Well, okay. She will tell me that she loves you more than me well, when you're not that around. That makes me feel good. <laughs> yeah, no, she does it. She says those things to make us feel bad to then show her more love. She's Damn, smart. It's working. She's very smart. She's ridiculous. Like tonight, right? I go up and because she goes, I got to go potty. And I go in her crib. And they go, Lucy. Do you actually have to go potty or are you just trying to take a stinky poo? And for the listeners, a stinky poo is what she calls a fake <laughs> poo.
1: It's <laughs> a fake. It's th- when she sits on the toilet. She pretends the poo and she goes, stinky, stinky. <laughs> and she really overreacts like it's a stinky poo when really nothing came out.
0: And it's just an excuse for her to get out of the bed. But she does the same thing. She goes, oh, I just got to do a little stinky poo. So I go, Lucy, if this is just going to be a stinky poo. Mommy's gonna be upset because this is my third time. I I go, this is gonna be my third time in here, and she grabs me by the shoulders. She puts her nose right up to my nose, and she starts giving me like you know a kiss with her nose. And she goes, "It's not a stinky poo, I promise." And then she squeezes me in like a very patronizing way, and then does a freaking stinky Mm -hmm. poo yeah like she's smart shane she knows how to manipulate us
1: yeah i think all three-year-olds are very manipulative people
0: she's stepping it forward with like the actions
1: i know but it is legit because in the morning when we were hanging out she decided she wanted to go because you sleep an extra two hours in the morning she goes i want to go sleep with mommy and then she went in your room to snuggle with you and she didn't want to hang with me it was legit i i think she's a mommy's girl for real
0: I think she's going through a phase, but she went through a phase where she didn't want anything to do with me at night. Well,
1: we'll see. Because girls, like, who do you love more? Your mom or your dad? Straight up. Neither, Shane. You don't love one more than the no, other?
0: No. Not at all. I love them both in different ways. Like, Blank I love... Th-
1: twice if it's your mom.
0: Get out of here. I love them both the exact same amount, but in different ways. And they're both so valuable in different ways. And, like, off bring so many different qualities to our relationship, so... Yeah, it's not comparable.
1: Okay. If you had to off one of them, who would you wish death upon?
0: You for asking me <laughs> these dang questions.
1: <laughs> just, it was just fitting with the death thing. I know, obviously, you're not going to answer that. Can, I, right. can, can yeah. I
0: tell you something? So in line with the postpartum rage here that I've, I'm experiencing, I thought maybe at least as long as this lasts, we could have a little what's pissing me off this week. Can I tell you something that's pissing me off this week?
1: It looks like you have three nipples right now, by the way. (laughs) What? (laughs) In your shirt. Okay, you fixed it, but it looked hilarious. Sorry, continue. Uh,
0: Okay, so I, for some reason, keep, you know, whether I follow them on Instagram or on Facebook or I I know them, they're people that are so right-wing that they are now going against their core values as right-wingers and specifically the people that are so frustrated with how things are going in Canada and in the United States that they are picking up and moving, immigrating to Mexico. Three people I know have done this now. Three people. And these were people... That would talk about how they don't think more immigrants should come to Canada. They don't want any more refugees to come to Canada, to the states. Yet they are picking up their belongings and moving to frickin' Mexico. And that is so hypocritical. Why are they allowed and a refugee can't come? And it angers me to no end because they have been so disrespectful of people from any different country coming to their country. Yet now they're going with their, you know, terrible outlook on others and bringing that where they're not necessarily wanted and acting like they own the fricking place. I just had to get that out there. That's really been rubbing me the wrong I way. I like this, this week.
1: new fun segment we're having at the <laughs> at the end. <laughs> What's it called? I'm pissed off or what
0: you uh, po- postpartum piss offs.
1: All right, I like that the alliteration. <laughs> Okay, should we get into our first interview?
0: Heck yeah, let's get to Libby.
1: But before we do this, let's tell everyone who we are supported by.
0: We are supported by Bravado Designs. Bravado Designs make the best bras, nursing or otherwise, you know, just your everyday bras. But they're the best ones that you can get your hands on.
1: in the breast bras out there.
0: The breast bras. And Shane, thank you, as listeners know, for introducing me to them three
1: years ago. I can't say this enough. You're welcome.
0: it's been a long and happy partnership both with you and the bras but i don't know which one
1: i appreciate more
0: (laughs) bravado truly does have the most comfortable and most practical nursing bras i mean i always had a hard time with the clips and things on other ones but the bravado ones are just they're so easy and they're so buttery on your boobs like just nice to wear And now they have an everyday collection. So these bras don't have clips. They're not for nursing and they're just for everyday use. Amazing. Bring that comfort and the nice shape with you into your daily life. But if you want to check these out, which you absolutely should, you can get the nursing bras at designs.com and you can head to the Canadian website for access to the everyday collection at ca.bravadodesigns.com. But regardless of which website you go to, make sure to use the promo code thisfamilytree20 for 20% off. Again, that's designs.com and thisfamilytree20.
1: But we are also supported by
0: Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit.
1: Would you say it's the first and best?
0: Oh, I would say it is the first and definitely the best.
1: I would also say that.
0: And it's crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories. And Seedlip spirit solved the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking, whether it's for the night, the month, or forever.
1: You are slurring your words a little bit now, Alex. Is it just because you're tired?
0: It is solely because I'm
1: tired. (laughs) I can tell, yeah.
0: (laughs) And I got to say, as a non-drinker, which we are tonight, Seedlip still gives you that relaxed feeling and we're skipping the booze and still feeling good, you know, on a Saturday night.
1: Definitely, yeah.
0: So whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, Seedlip offers a drink for every type of drinker. It's crafted using bespoke process, including traditional copper distillation of botanicals. And each of Seedlip's three variants, so Spice 94, Garden Went Away, and Grow 42 are alcohol-free and have their own unique flavors, which pair so perfectly with just a splash of tonic like we did tonight. But they can be used to make more complex cocktails like the ones that you'll find in the Seedlip Cocktail Book or on their Instagram account at SeedLip underscore NA. So head on over to SeedLipDrinks.com or .ca and use the promo code ThisFamilyTree10 for 10% off your favorite non-alcoholic spirit. This is available in Canada and in the U.S. And again, that is SeedLipDrinks.com and ThisFamilyTree10. And now let's get to our interview with Libby Ward. Hi. Hey, how are you? I'm so good. Nice to see your face again. How you doing? You too. I'm good. I'm good. How are you?
2: I already asked you that, didn't I? No,
0: that you know what? I'll give you a more honest answer though. It's been a hell of a day, Libby, and I'm uh I got I got Shane making me a tea in there cuz I'm freezing and I've been rained on all day. You live in the same area as me. You yeah. know what the
2: weather's like right now? Yes. It's so wet and yucky outside. I feel like the de- I was going to say the depression hit when the weather started making like being rainy and cold like three days ago I'm like why am I so sad and today it's like the (laughs) pinnacle of sadness because it's just like raining and like gross out and yeah it's nasty it's nasty I was also uh
0: PMSing a little bit in the days leading up to today so I was feeling it in so many ways yeah and I'm hoping that today is just like a release of like the emotions the cycle the rain and then maybe we could start a new tomorrow?
2: Yes, that has to be it. Literally, for like four days in a row, I'm like, why am I the saddest human being right now? Like, there's nothing going on in my life, like nothing bad, but I'm so sad. And then Shark Week started yesterday, and then it started raining today, and I was like, oh, it all makes sense. That's why I'm so sad about everything and nothing at the same time.
0: And, you know, speaking of the opposite of sad times, Libby, we had an awesome time last week. When we met for the first time, we met up, went to dinner with a couple other mom internet acquaintances, mutual friends, and did Mom Fest together. And then at that place, I was like, look, I got to have you on my podcast. This is great. You gracefully agreed, which I am so appreciative of. But
2: how was that? How was your night? How was the night at mom Fest? It was so good. It was so good. It actually, it felt really surreal because we've been locked in our houses for what a year and a half it seems. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you're like, you're at this party. There's all these people you don't know. There is a ball pit. There are bartenders without shirts on. There is music and dancing and like humans to me. And it was like so good for my soul. I know. So good for my soul. And I feel like I've always been pretty extroverted, but the pandemic made me a little bit more introverted and like just got used to being at home and got used to being with my people and the quiet. And so it was great to just like get out and like meet new people and like be inspired by like other women as well who are just out there rocking it. Um, It was good. Like it was just good for my soul. The vodka
0: snow cones were also incredibly inspiring, I will say. And I'm wearing... Uh, my smash and test romper, I wore it to work today and felt like a queen. It was, are you
2: wearing smash okay, and test too right now? It's so funny you said that <laughs> because just like five minutes ago, I'm like putting my lip gloss on and I look in the mirror and I'm like, this is the first time I've worn my smash and test romper since the event. I wonder if Alex is going to (laughs) think I just live in my Sebastian test romper. But it's the first day that I've worn it. And that's so funny that you're wearing it too. Same.
0: Oh, thank you. Here comes my tea delivery. Thank you so much. Appreciate it.
2: Let me get, let me, okay. Warm up the soul here. I think it was just like the rainy day that made me be like, I need to be comfortable today. Like I need to just not feel my clothes on me. And that's what the romper does.
0: That is exactly what I've been doing all day, and it was a saving grace. But Libby, I was so excited to end my you know, real life today, come into this dream job that I have and talk to you. Because we did meet last week for the first time, and you are an incredibly, and talk about inspiring, I was and have been since incredibly inspired by you and the content you create and the ease with which you do it. Like everything that you do looks so effortless. And you're hilarious and it's so great. So I do want to talk about the content you create, of course, in the, you know, the motherhood sphere that we all kind of
2: occupy, Mm -hmm. but what's your story? Why'd you get started with all that? Why did I get started? I got started at the beginning of the pandemic. I joined TikTok because I needed people and I needed a creative outlet but really why I got started is because I care about women and I care about moms and I care about people being, I guess, them best their best selves. I grew up very different to how I live now. I grew up in in poverty and with a lot of trauma and a lot of instability. And that created a very like perfectionist tendency in me, like as an adult and as a mother. And I felt like for the first couple of years of my motherhood, I really felt like I was failing and I was trying to live up to this like standard that I thought everyone was meeting. And I really came to a realization after doing the work and going to therapy and doing some reading and learning that none of us have it figured out. None of us had it all figured out. And we're all just making it up as we go along. And all of these standards that I had in my mind were like, oh, that's how I'm supposed to mother. And that's how I'm supposed to live my life. And that is what perfectionism is. It was all just a big lie. And I realized that everyone, no matter their social status, no matter how many kids they have, no matter their marital status, like we all struggle and we all are questioning ourselves and we all struggle with guilt and we all to a degree struggle with like people pleasing and perfectionism and all those things. And I've just always wanted to connect with women. And TikTok was sort of like the perfect way for me to like have this creative outlet and like connect with women and also encourage them and sort of like share what I've learned and like share my journey about like Mm -hmm. what motherhood is really like. And Sort of just like getting rid of all these ideas of what it's supposed to be, and just accepting ourselves the way we are.
0: No, I I think that is so perfect, and that is so beautiful. And there is so much connection that needs to be had within this community because until recently, I I, I don't think that it was talked about so openly. Like now, you you know, you put ten moms to get three moms together in a circle, and they're going to spill everything. Mm-hmm. Whereas I know when my mom was a new mom. They didn't talk like that. People were really concerned about looking like they got their shit together. Yeah, And you said it. It is the truth. Everybody is freaking winging it. Everybody. I don't care if you're a mom, a dad, a CEO, a whatever you are in your life. You're kind of winging it all the time until the day you die. And I firmly believe that.
2: Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I, I think I just grew up with this notion that like adults knew how to adult. Like adults just knew what they were doing and parents knew how to parent. And but no, they don't. They don't. No. <laughs> I, I still feel like-,
0: like a 17-year-old kid. And I'm sure you partied with me last week. Like, you could probably see that I acted like a 17-year-old kid sometimes. Like, I still very much feel like that, even though I have the ability to care for others, take on a huge amount of responsibility and everything. Like, there, it's everybody's always figuring it out. And it's, like, the most widely known secret.
2: Right. Right. And I feel like the more responsibility you have and the further you get into life, the more it really becomes entrenched in you. Like when you don't have experience, you expect that people with experience and with authority are just like making decisions that they know are the right decisions. But then you get put in that position. (laughs) You become a manager or you become a teacher or you become a parent or you become someone who's in charge of other people. And you realize I just have to take whatever knowledge and wisdom and expertise that or whatever I have and figure it out. Oh, and there's something beautiful about knowing that you don't know what you're doing, but it's still fine. Like it's still going to be OK. Yes,
0: I love it. So one of my favorite movies, a Canadian classic. A lot of people hate it. That's fine. It's called FUBAR. Have you seen
2: FUBAR? No. <laughs> OK,
0: <laughs> they're two mulleted Canadian guys. Uh, don't necessarily recommend it to the general population, but if it's your kind of thing, watch it. You'll like it. Anyway, one of my favorite quotes, I always say it on the podcast, is from that movie, and they say, the knowledge of non-knowledge is power. So if you can realize, basically what you were just saying, that we don't really know anything, we're all just doing our best, we're all winging it, that is powerful. And then finding connection mm-hmm. with that kind of as the base, that we're all just trying to learn and be the best that we can be,
2: mm-hmm. there's
0: a lot that you can find within that. And and I do think that's special. And you know, thinking back to, I, I kind of wanted to ask you this earlier, when you were saying, why this connection important and the perfectionism that you kind of took on in early motherhood for yourself. So that is in response to your childhood. Was perfectionism not there in any degree? Like, is that what you're trying to make up for? Or did you have strong female role models growing up?
2: No, I didn't have strong female role models growing up. Honestly, growing up, I actually didn't know any adults who had a job. So we grew up on on welfare, and we moved a lot. And we grew up with a single mom who had undiagnosed, undiagnosed mental health disorders. And so I really didn't have any strong adult relationships. And because we moved so often, a lot of those relationships were broken. And I didn't really have anyone I really looked up to in a way. And so when I became an adult, what I did was I took the best of everyone that I knew. You know, I looked on social media, and I looked at my friend's parents, and I looked at all the people who looked like they had it together, and I tried to be the best of all of them. I tried to keep my house the cleanest and cook the best meals and be the most prepared and make the best choices for my health and like researched it all. And instead of finding this happy medium, which most people really have, you know, you're either, you know, you're really good at one thing and not so good at the other. I tried to take the best of all of them and do all of those things as good as I could. And, you know, that sort of worked until I had two kids under two and I felt like I was going insane. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> So where then, you know, being a mom with two under two, trying to take all these things on and do them well when did you realize that hey this can't go on this is way too freaking much i got to make some concessions here
2: it was probably when my son was three or four months old. He's my youngest, my second. And we had a lot of feeding issues with him, a lot of sleeping with issues with him. He didn't sleep for more than like two hours at a time for the first year of his life. So four months in, I was a zombie. I couldn't think straight. <laughs> I I, <believe> and, it. <laughs> and I had postpartum depression, but I didn't realize it at first. I've always been very aware of my mental health, but I thought that depression was sadness. And I thought that depression was tears. And I thought that depression just meant that I was apathetic and sad. Is, is that because that's what you had
0: experienced before or you had seen from parents before or read about?
2: Um, Probably what I had read about. And I now see that. So I it turns out I had rage, like a serious rage problem, postpartum rage. And I now see that that's what was modeled to me. By the females in my family and now I see it but at the time I was like why am I so angry like I never thought I was an angry person before I always thought of myself as easygoing and go with the flow and I can handle change and I can handle stress I've handled a lot of stress before and all of a sudden I was mad at my baby for not sleeping and I was mad and my husband, because he was sleeping, and I was mad at him for going to work. And I was mad at my friends who had older kids. And I was mad at my friends with younger kids. And I like, I just felt like I was angry at the whole world. And then, of course, angry at myself because I couldn't do it. And I couldn't do the things that moms were supposed to do. And I, it got to a point where I just was like, this isn't me. I don't recognize myself when I look in the mirror. I don't. Um, I've always been an energetic person. I've always been a go-getter. And I just became apathetic and angry. And so that's when I decided that I needed help. And that's when I decided that perfectionism wasn't cutting it and making Mm -hmm. things look good on the outside, or even making my house look good or cooking the perfect meal wasn't worth me being so tired that I couldn't even play with my kids or look at my kids or even just enjoy them. Mm -hmm. You know, because I was trying to fill all these standards I had set for myself, I then wasn't being the kind of mom I wanted to be, which was kind and patient and gentle so I, I decided that I needed to let some things go um, in order to to be the kind of person that I wanted to be and to be the kind of person I want to be remembered for as a mom and a person. Yeah.
0: So you said that, you know, it got to a point before you went to seek help. What did that look like? And I'm curious for purely a selfish reason here, because I was told by a therapist that I had postpartum rage the day after the day before mom fest? or something. I don't know. I've been super ragey though, Libby. And um, it's, it's been interesting because like you, it is not my personality. This is so, I, I have so many feelings that are so unrecognizable to me that I haven't really felt before. And I'm, I'm learning how to deal with them I didn't love the therapy session. It, w- it was good. It was it was nice for certain things, but um, that made me even ragier because right. I just felt like she was like in there trying to get my money or something.
2: Right.
0: It was a weird thing. But what help did you seek and did it actually help?
2: You know what? I can't put my finger on one exact thing that helped. It was a culmination of a lot of things. So I did go to see my doctor and they immediately sent me to see a therapist who similar to you, I didn't drive with right away, but it was, it was at least good to feel validated and get the ball yeah. rolling and talking about okay. it and normalize talking about it. Um, and then I got connected with a more like long-term therapist who I've been with ever since. But I'd have to say that even just shutting out voices in my life that made me feel like I needed to continue being a perfectionist, and then allowing other voices in my life that open the door to living a less than perfect motherhood journey. So reading books by Brené Brown and reading books by Glennon Doyle and Jen Hatmaker, who just talk about the mess of life and how life is supposed to be messy and supposed to be imperfect, but still thriving and still being okay. And and I think I it was a lot of like mindset work and like shifting my mindset to you're not a good mom. If you get everything perfect, you just, you know, sometimes it's just surviving it and that's okay. And, um, just, it was ridiculous things like going for a walk every day. And I laugh now. Cause I'm like, imagine us in our early twenties, just talking about like all the amazing things that you do in your 20s, right? (laughs) And then you're like, you know, in your 30s, you talk about how it's really good for your soul to go for walks. But it (laughs) is like, it's so good to just get out of the house and like, see different people or have quiet in our brain and move our bodies and like, physiologically, Mm -hmm. like good things happen. And so I think I just started doing I I just changed everything up. And Mm -hmm. And it's not even like day to day, you could look at my life and say, oh, she's changed. But in my mind, I was changing things and what I was exposing my, to myself on social media changed and what I was reading changed. And so I feel like addressing my perfectionist tendencies helped my postpartum rage and helped my postpartum mm-hmm. depression. And I mean, I'm still rageful. Like I still, <laughs> like I still at the top of the hat, I'm like, I want to yell immediately. And like, I feel like it's just ingrained in me and it'll be a lifelong work, but it's not a pit. <laughs> It's not the pit. I talk about the pit a lot. And I was like deep, like deep in this pit. I'm like, I'm now just like standing over the pit and I could jump in really fast, but I'm at least out of it. And that, yeah. yeah. And you might teeter sometimes, but if you can
0: catch your balance and stay on the other side, which takes work, you know, at least you have that option instead of already being kind of at the bottom of it.
2: Yeah, and it's the intentionality, right? It's not Mm -hmm. just like standing at the top of it and being like, well, let's see what happens. It's like intentionally- putting things into your brain and exposing th- yourself to people who are going to affirm the way that you are living and not yeah. make you feel like garbage for cooking craft dinner for your kids because you're too exhausted or not make you feel bad for your house not being perfect or not make you feel, you know what I mean? Like just realizing that like certain people make you feel more like you need to live up to a standard and maybe those aren't the people you need in your life when You you mentioned
0: social media, and I am such an advocate for curating your social media. That helped me immensely. And I've realized, too, like after having kids and, you know, as getting older as we all do, my insecurities were based very firmly around looks, right? Beauty, how I looked, how I was perceived by others in that way. And that's been a process. And now where I'm standing in my journey with that is I'm going to fight against the powers that make me feel like crap in that regard by personally, you know, I wear makeup and get my like my hair highlighted, but I'm drawing my line at like filters, at fillers, at Botox. And every day it's a fight. I look in the mirror and I see my wrinkles and I'm like, oh, man, like I want to get something. I want to get something. I'm like, no, I can't because I got to make this better for me right like in the long run so for me i had to go through my instagram and get rid of all of my quote unquote be- beauty icons i guess and delete them right because right. i was like it's just it's not good for me mentally for my own journey they're not doing anything for me so how did like did you curate your
2: social media what what are your thoughts on that cuz i love it that was interesting because before TikTok, I was on Instagram mostly just for friends and family. And I followed some famous people, but being on Instagram just generally made me feel like garbage about myself with like, you know, people's perfectly curated homes and outfits with their kids. And it seemed like everyone seemed to have it together on social media. So I just wrote off Instagram as a whole when I joined TikTok and like jumped into TikTok like headfirst and was like, these people are so real. And and it's true, like there's a lot of like reality shared on TikTok and people are a lot more raw and honest. So when I ended up making an Instagram for my diary of an honest mom TikTok, that's when everything changed for me. Cause I didn't have any of my friends and family and other people I followed. It was a brand new Instagram account. And I literally only followed people that I wanted to follow and who breathed so life and like encouragement and like goodness into my life. And now like I scroll social media and Maybe one out of every 10 or 12 posts makes me think oh, like a little bit yucky about myself. The rest of them are just like encouraging and inspiring and uplifting and good. And now like I actually love Instagram and I never thought I would say that because I used to hate (laughs) Instagram. It was a thing that made me loathe myself more than anything. And now I'm like, it's such a good thing when you find people who are echoing your voice and who are echoing the things you're saying and who care about mental health and who care about maternal well-being. And all that kind of stuff. It's really life giving to just be like, this is what I'm going to allow access to me. And, you know, it's the same with our friends, right? Like what you Mm -hmm. sort of cut out people that are bad for you and stick to the ones who are good for you. It's the exact same with social media. And I think people sometimes forget how much control we're in of it. I did. Like, I didn't realize how much control I had over my social media experience. And now I do. And it's so empowering to be able to say, yes, you're, I'm going to allow you in my space and you maybe not so much. And it's not about them. It's about like, we need to prioritize our own mental health. And we're the only ones that can do that. Nobody else can do that for you. Absolutely. We need to be the gatekeepers.
0: Exactly. And in so many regards, like not only in who you follow, but in who you allow to engage with your, your stuff that you're putting out there. And I know Libby and I like for listeners, you know, we're putting our stuff out publicly. But even if you're listening to this, To you, this might be family members. It might be friends who, you know, never really have anything truly nice to say. Like I had to have a talk with a cousin of mine and asked her to stop following my page because she never had anything nice to say. And it was driving me absolutely bonkers, bonkers. And it was making me dislike this person who I loved. And you, you can't have that. But we are the gatekeepers. And that is something we have to be on. But no, I, I, I totally agree. And, you know, when we're talking about perfection as a new mom, something you were striving for, has your definition of perfection
2: evolved since then? Yeah, I would say that I now almost see perfection in the acceptance of imperfection. Mm, I, I like that. When I engage with women and moms and people who accept themselves who they are and just own who they are and maybe they're like maybe the they're the organic crunchy mom but they're not the sporty mom and instead of making themselves feel guilty for not being the sporty mom they're just like yeah I love making homemade food and I love canning on the weekends but I couldn't be bothered to play sports with my kids and instead of guilting themselves they're just like yeah that's who I am and that is what Mm -hmm. I see as perfect it's not that they do everything perfectly. It's that they see like, these are my strengths as a mom and these are my passions and these are my values as a mom. Cause we all have different values. We all grow up different ways and we all mm-hmm. are striving for different things, but accepting the way that they do things for me, I see like they've got it pretty perfectly is like really not carrying that shame and carrying that guilt that so many of us carry. And that's what I strive towards now. I don't strive towards getting anything perfectly perfectly. I strive towards getting to the end of the day and not feeling shame or guilt for any of my choices or lack thereof. And that's where I'll feel like, yes, I'm getting it more perfectly now when I can not feel guilt and shame.
0: Yes. Yes. Because why put that pressure? It's not just it's your kid's mom. You want to take care of your kid's mom who also happens to be you. Right. And that is so important because if you care about your kids, which we all do, The best way to help them lead a happy, fulfilling life Mm -hmm. is to take care of their mom, make sure she's leading a happy, fulfilling life, and make sure she's okay. Burnout is
2: so real and it is
0: it, it can lead you to insanity.
2: Right. And it almost I think for some women, especially in older generations, is like a source of pride. Yes, this sort of yes. martyrdom where I've given everything for you and I haven't gone on a vacation in 15 years and I've never left my children in 10 years or, you know, I, I do this for you and I put myself last. And it's like that for me, that's not a bragging point. No, no. it's a burden to put on our children that they would grow up knowing that they quote unquote stole their mom's life when that's really I mean, not up to them. That's not up to no. this up to us to prioritize ourselves yes. for ourselves and for them. Because if we're their main caregiver, we're we're one of their main caregivers, we need to be at our best to be able to give to them, right? And so Mm -hmm. it's really an act of love to our children that we take care of ourselves and we prioritize ourselves and our well-being and our mental health and all those things.
0: Absolutely. No, I, I love that so much. And I am such a firm believer in that. And I'm also a firm believer in just saying F you to mom guilt, to shame to anything like that, because it is only destructive. The guilt we can control, the mom shaming, I, I find that that happens, it can happen within ourselves, but I find often too, especially in the online spaces, it happens mm-hmm. directly. And I wanna ask you, was there ever a time where you in, inadvertently mom shamed and a time that you have been mom shamed? Because I'll say, I was an inadvertent mom shamer before I had children. If I would see a mom and a screaming toddler and 14 like a grocery store, I'd be like, what'd she do to that kid? Like,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, my kid's never going to do that. Yet every time I take my kids anywhere, it ends up with Lucy like on the floor being right. like, I want this chocolate. Right. And it's, it's a situation, right? Right. And I get it now. And I feel so bad for every time I ever thought that in my life that I'd be better. I'd do a better job. Mm-hmm. I'd have the answers. Nobody freaking has the answers. No, and the You'd best get parents lucky. are the ones who don't have kids, right?
2: <laughs> Always, yes. <laughs> right, yeah. And I, I was that person. I waitressed and I bartended for years before I had kids. Same. And yes. I remember – when it was, whenever it was family night, the discounted family meals, all the families would come in and I would just like cringe inside, like know. Oh, the children, they're going to make such a mess. Like, I don't want to do this. And then the parents would come and they'd whip out a tablet or they'd whip out a phone and I judge them hundred percent. I judged them this whole, like, why would you bring your children to a restaurant? If you're just going to stick a screen in front of them, like, why not just stay home? And, you know, now as a mom, I wouldn't say that I put it in front of them every time. But there were times when my kids were tiny and I was like, I haven't left the house for a week. We don't have a babysitter. We don't have a support system. We don't have grandparents. We could just drop our kids off at like, we literally have nowhere to take our kids. So it's either stay home or go have a meal in peace and put the phone in front of the kid put the tablet in front of the kid so that i can look at my husband for the first time in a week and have a conversation without being pulled at <laughs> right and you get it and you yeah. have that perspective and sometimes it's like you the thing that i you know really realized since becoming a mom is you have absolutely no idea what anybody else is going through you have no idea what has brought them to that moment what has made them make that choice for their children for themselves we really have no idea what people are, are going through and what's going on in their lives. So it's not up to us to judge the choices that they're making. You know, maybe those parents at that restaurant haven't had a moment of peace and, you know, it could be anything. It doesn't they matter didn't want what to do the is. dishes.
0: Maybe they just didn't want to do the freaking dishes and that's it. Literally. That's it. valid.
2: And But I used to judge them so hard and I feel so <laughs> bad about that. So that's definitely one that stands out to me. But yeah, I mean, being in the motherhood space on social media I see it every day and it's just it's hard sometimes not to get caught up in the negativity and not to call it out. Um, so I really try to be purposeful in like building up the people who I feel are shamed, mm-hmm. I guess, um, and in trying to speak words of encouragement as a poet. like I do call it the shame sometimes, but I really just try to to build moms up. and I, I think because I grew up a certain way, and I, I grew up in poverty and I grew up without accessibility to transportation and I grew up with being food insecure. I have a special place in my heart for moms who struggle to be their children and who struggle to get out of the house and do things with them. And I think in my circles now, I live in a very you know, middle class community where everybody has a car and everybody has enough food and it's pretty secure and a lot of the people i interact with they've never known anyone to struggle like that so they can't even put themselves in that mind frame and when i see things on social media where i don't believe a, a lot of people are trying to mom shame but when they talk about certain ingredients in food or they talk about you know certain things people do with their kids i think what a privilege to be able to say i would never feed my kid that because you can afford to not feed your kid that or you know what a privilege it is to say mm-hmm. i would never do that because you have you know accessibility to childcare, or you have accessibility to transportation. So I really, I try to like build women up who, you know, like, and they already Mm -hmm. feel guilty. Women and moms already feel guilty about the things Mm -hmm. they're able to provide or not provide for their kids. They don't need someone on the internet telling them that they're poisoning their children because they fed them goldfish. That was a reel I saw a few months ago. And I was like, I can't, I can't can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. it. (laughs) Was it wait? Was it a joke? We made
0: a joke reel about goldfish no, and poison. No, no,
2: it was a real. It was a real one. Oh, there was a whole caption about how toxic goldfish were and all the ingredients that were going to poison your children. And it was a whole thing. And I just immediately, just the rage just bubbled up. That I just am like, what lack of perspective and what lack of like humanity to shame people for feeding their children goldfish? There's so much. Human suffering in the world, and there's so many bad things people do to their children. Still, like children are abused, children yes. are neglected. There are seriously harmful things happening. Yes. Don't shame moms who are feeding their children goldfish for goodness' sake. <laughs> Libby,
0: only only because I've been so depressed all day, and now just thinking about the bad things happening in the world. I was reading an article this morning while I was like having my coffee before I went into work in Afghanistan. Had to had to sell their baby daughter for five hundred dollars for food for the rest of the family. I, and it's like, I can't talk about possible abuse, yeah. talk about food insecurity, talk about roof over their head security, like right. anything, right? Right? And you're worried about freaking goldfish. Be worried about that within your family. You do not need to espouse right. that to people right. who might be actually dealing with something. And to take that on, that's a lot to shoulder. Motherhood is heavy enough. The mental load we all talk about, we know that is so heavy. We don't not do not need to further shoulder the fact that goldfish might have some, you know, high fructose whatever bullshit in it too. Right, it's too much.
2: Right, and if you it have the capacity to worry about every tiny ingredient in your goldfish, then. That, that is okay if you want to look into the ingredients of your food, but there's some people who are so busy going to work, you know, 15 hours a day working two jobs to feed their family that they literally don't even have the time or capacity to worry about the ingredients in their food because they're too busy trying to literally get that food onto the table. And it, it's, a real, it's a real thing of privilege to be able to do the research into toxic ingredients and, whatever toxic is anymore. Yeah. It's, it's such a word that it's just thrown out there you know, to everything. I mean, there are harmful ingredients in things, but I feel like this word is just used by marketers. And then I don't know, it just shames moms. And then when other people latch onto it, it just spreads this whole, I don't know. It's just so sad because I know that every single mom wants to do the, her best. And every single yes. mom is doing her best to provide for her children and provide a safe, loving environment And we already guilt ourselves and we already shame ourselves. So we don't really need anybody else to do that for us.
0: No, no. That's the last (laughs) thing, actually, that we all (laughs) need. Bottom of the list. All right, Libby, we're going to take a quick break and let our listeners know who we're supported by. We're supported by Tushy. Shane, the future of toileting has arrived. Thank goodness. (laughs) Okay, it's technically been around for centuries, but it's been hideously expensive, costing thousands. However, the brand new Hello Tushy 3.0 modern bidet attachment is here to level the playing field. It's stylish, it's eco-friendly, it's easy to install, and it is so affordable. And with the Hello Tushy 3.0, it doesn't just cleanse your butt with a precise stream of fresh water.
1: What else does it do?
0: It cleans itself. What? Yeah, before and after it's used, it cleans itself with the Smart Spray Automatic Self-Cleaning Nozzle. And it doesn't end there either.
1: Now I'm intrigued.
0: They have a sanitation system called the Schmutz Shield, and it offers easy cleaning, and the knobs are naturally antimicrobial. Plus, the Tushy attaches to your existing toilet. It requires no electricity or additional plumbing, and it cuts toilet paper use by, do you know this answer? 50 80%. So the Hello Tushy Bidet pays for itself. Yeah, it pays for itself in a few months. So get on it, join millions of happy Hello Tushy customers right now and have a clean butt with every flush. Go to hellotushy.com slash tree to get 10% off your order and free shipping on the Tushy bidet, which is only $79. This offer is available in Canada and in the US. And again, that is hellotushy.com slash thisfamilytree.
1: But we are also supported by...
0: Mini Miosh, a premium, organic, ethically made and sustainable kids and babies clothing company founded and created in Toronto.
1: Now, does organic mean you can eat the clothing?
0: You cannot eat the clothing, but it does decompose. And, you know, it's just made with your kids and with the environment in mind. Because Mini Miosh believes in quality over quantity. And they make the absolute best basics for your littles. Like I'm talking fashionable wardrobe staples that are super soft, comfy, and timeless. And can be passed from child to child regardless of gender.
1: And they're easy to zip up. They don't have annoying buttons for the most part. I've never seen something with buttons really that I couldn't handle handle.
0: No, you can handle the buttons on all those clothes really well, but it's mostly just really easy to wear stuff that and looks comfy. so good. I mean, Lucy can wear it to a family gathering and then also wear it into the crib for bedtime. Oh, it's
1: her pajamas. Yeah, every <laughs> night.
0: Their organic cotton fabrics are knit and dyed locally using GOTS certified cotton and low impact, non toxic dyes. Mini Miash is on a mission to leave the planet better off for our little ones than when they arrived on it, and they believe that every little bit counts. So you can find the company online at mini or at mini on Instagram and Facebook. And if you use the promo code, ThisFamilyTree 15, you're going to get 15% off your whole order. This is available in Canada and in the U S and again, that is mini and ThisFamilyTree tree 15. And now let's get back to our interview with Libby. But Libby, when you became a mom, you know, were there any other expectations? We've talked about perfectionism. But were there any other expectations that you had based on your experiences, what you had heard, that didn't meet the reality, whether for, you know, positive or negative?
2: I would say that I had a deep fear that I wouldn't be maternal enough and that I wouldn't be able to love my kids as deeply as they needed to be loved and that I wouldn't be able to be selfless enough. And I think that I was surprised by how quickly I was able to fall in love with my children and give up my sleep and give up my free time and give give up myself and how easy it is when you've never met this like ball of like potato mush in your life. (laughs) And they just like come out and you're just immediately in love with them. And like how easy that is to like love another human being. So I think that was one of the really positive surprises for me because I dealt with a lot of fear when I was pregnant around whether I would be able to be maternal and be loving. And uh, that, that was a really cool surprise for me. Did you always want kids? No. No, I, I would say for a long time I said I didn't want them. Um, but I wasn't one of these people who was like, I'm never having kids, and then they decide to have <laughs> <laughs> I had so many That was me. Friends. <laughs> so I was many. that. I was that. <laughs> right, right. So many yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, I was like, no, no, I'd rather do other things, rather travel, do this, do that, don't want kids, met my husband. And then I realized, oh, maybe I just hadn't met anybody I wanted kids with, I had two kids. And I'm like, oh, wait, you can still do all these things and be a mom. And then my notion of what motherhood was blew my mind because that completely shifted too. I thought I was going to lose all of my spark, my cool, my whatever. When I became a mom, I feel, especially now that I am feeling like, I'm just, I, I talk about this a lot in our podcast, but I feel better about myself now than I have at any other point in my life. I don't know if it's motherhood. I don't know if it's age. I don't know if it's it's experience Or all those things coming together, but I feel more confident in myself than I ever have. And it's magical. I didn't know that motherhood could do this to me. And it it really changed my perspective in a lot of ways. But did it change your
2: perspective in any, like, profound way? Definitely. Even, like, when I think about my body, for example, I used to pick myself apart in my teen years and in my 20s before I had kids, like you know, every side side profile, I'd look at the front, I'd grab my, you know, little love handles, and I'd roll my eyes at myself. And I just like, I picked myself apart. And of course, now I look back at pictures. Now it's like you, like the epitome of what <laughs> most people would want to look like in your body, and you didn't appreciate it. And yet, after I had a child, and my stomach was saggy, and everything was in the wrong place. And one boob was bigger than the other. I just remember looking at myself and being like, man, that's awesome. Like, you look so good. good. Yeah, I feel good about myself. And I did get this like weird confidence after I had my kids, even though physically, I looked different, I felt more confident. And I think even like, interpersonally, it gave me more confidence. I think before I had kids, I had much more of a people pleaser tendency. And I just, Mm -hmm. I chameleon into different social situations, and I would sort of fit the mold. And I wanted everyone to like me. And once I had kids, not only like does that protective gene come out, so you don't want to expose your kids to certain people, but you also are just like, I only have so much time for social relationships. I only have so much time to give that I want it to be around people that I want to be around. I'm not going to pretend to like you. I'm not going to try and make you like me. There are so many humans in the world. And it made me just be more confident and being like, nope, this is a friendship that gives me life and this one doesn't. And that's fine. And that was for a season. And now we're moving on. And I love that that's what having kids did for me because it made me realize how precious time is and how precious my Mm -hmm. energy is and how precious I am and not just like giving of myself to everyone and being like, no, this is for me and like confidently doing that. And that's something really cool that motherhood did for me. Mm, I love
0: saying no, I, and I'm still practicing it and getting better at it, but I like, I have been writing so many angry emails lately, Libby. Not angry, but just like firm, strongly hey. oh. worded emails. Yeah. Uh, most recently, I'm trying to get a fireplace done. We've talked a lot about this. It's It's been a disaster. And the company wasn't treating me with respect. They were withholding information. So I just said, hey, here's my firm email. Meet these standards. And then you know what they did to me? They said, no, we're dropping you as a client. <gasps> no way. Mm-hmm. And I was so mad because I said, Shane, like to my husband, I was like, if you wrote this email, they would not have said that. But because it's me, they're like this great – They're I can hear the conversation. They're like this Karen mom crazy B word is, right. you know, all right. PO'd. And I'm like, I'm not P- – I'm just – I am PO'd, I guess. But I'm just – it's firm and I'm standing up for myself because I want the job done right and it's a big deal. And – that's that's the funny thing cuz as I'm gaining more confidence I I'm being met with a weird resistance that I've never been right. met with before because right. I've been so eager to please cuz you're
2: not fitting the mold they want you to fit anymore. Yeah. 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 Are you There's, ever met with that resistance? Yeah, like it's like people see your assertiveness as crazy and it's like if I was a man you wouldn't see me as crazy, you would just see me as a man, right? Yes.
0: Um, demanding respect and that and that's fine right you know I
2: find it's not even just from men I find women are very intimidated by any assertiveness or anything like that too and I feel like it's something that we need to work on as a society that as women we should be allowed to say no and as women we should be allowed to say that's not right for me or that's not right the way you treated me and not be treated like we're like crazy or seeking conflict and I feel like some Some people in my life might see me as conflict-seeking, but I'm the kind of person where I'm like, I'm just not gonna let you walk all over me, so let's just talk about what happened. Um, And people are intimidated by that. Um, And so their reflection of that is that you're seeking conflict, but you're not. You're just being assertive and trying to be treated with respect.
0: Right. I can't tell you how hard it was for me to write that email. And then I've looked at it a hundred times since just to make sure that I wasn't being too mean or firm. And I'm like, no, it was a fine email. And I have come a long way from not knowing how to say anything when it comes to conflict to being able to say that and like, you know, taking that even within my marriage and being able to slow, I mean, it's been a slow process, but like slowly, you know, speak up for what I want, make my expectations known, make my unhappiness known. Right. Like,
2: are you good at that within your relationship? I just want to say before I answer that, that I think as women, I don't know if it's natural, like if we were born with it, or if it's something that we're socialized to do, but we just care about people's feelings so much. And I think that is what makes it hard sometimes because as you're reading the email, you're like, what if they're having a bad day? What if this makes them sad? What if this? And and I don't know men are just naturally able to not think about that and just write the email objectively, but we're always conscious, I think, about well, that's why
0: we put all the stupid exclamation marks and smiley right. faces. Like we need to yeah.
2: be able to cut that if right. it's a work email sometimes. <laughs> LOL when we're not laughing yeah. remotely, we're not laughing. And now I've forgotten your question. Um oh in my relationship, you asked if I am more assertive. I would say definitely. I've gotten more assertive over the years. I'd say at the beginning of our relationship, I kind of just would, you know, tiptoe around things and just go along with things, even if I didn't like them. And I've become much more confident, like, no, this is this is what I want to do. I I mean the biggest most recent example is I a couple years ago decided I was done being an educational assistant and I wanted to become a teacher so I went to university and I finished my degree I graduated in May and the plan was to go to teacher's college in September and that was a safe plan and my husband is very logical and very analytical and that has been the plan and he likes to plan and he likes to know what's coming and so that was the plan And, you know, my social media accounts, uh, went a little bit crazy over the last year and a half. And I realized I had a different passion and I wanted to do this full time. And all summer I was like, I want to be a content creator full time, but how do I tell people number one, that I'm giving up on this dream. I've told everyone I'm going after, how do I tell my (laughs) husband? Like, I need someone to say to me, have you thought of this? And I can be like, Oh, it was so-and-so's idea. Like, I don't want to just like decide this on my own but no, I had to decide it on my own. And a week before I was supposed to start teacher's college, I sat down with my husband and I was like, I need to tell you that I don't want to be a teacher anymore. I like, wow. I know that I That's signed a big conversation. Yeah. Like it's, you know, $30,000. And it's the whole reason I went and got my undergrad. I wanted to get my degree anyway. It's always been a like goal, but I had been working towards it for so long. I've been talking about it for so long. And it was like, I just dropped a bomb in his lap. Like Mr. Planner, like, Nope, not doing this. I'm now going to, be my own boss and hope that (laughs) I hope that I make money. And I hope that it's successful. And I hope that it continues. And, and for him as a very logical person and a planner, um, that would have been difficult to hear. But I was really proud of myself. Because five years ago, I probably would have just left it alone. And I realized, no, like, I'm the only one that's responsible for my own happiness. And if in 10 years, I look back and say, I wish I did that I can't blame anybody else for myself but myself, right. I have to be able to voice my own opinions. And luckily I'm with a man who is a man and who respects me <laughs> and who wants me to be happy and wants mm-hmm. me to be fulfilled and values my wellness. Uh, and he was super receptive to it and his that's logical amazing. brain and his logical brain kicked in too, and was like, well, if you were going to do teacher's college as a backup plan, like that's a very expensive backup plan. Or <laughs> like, that's a big commitment for something that like you might use, like just jump in head first. And so, yeah. Yeah, like it's, I think it's easier to be assertive and to share your emotions and to stand up for yourself when you are with a respectful partner. Um, but even then, like I've always just kind of just done what I thought other people wanted me to do. And as I've gotten older, I've just been like, no, this is what I want. I don't care what you think. Like I, you know, and that has been hard for me. Like I live in a small town and everybody, like a lot of people know me and a lot of people <laughs> have seen my TikToks and a lot of people knew I was going to become a teacher. And now, you know, to just, come out publicly with like, nope, this is what I'm doing. And not everyone's going to understand. And it's not a big lesson I've learned. This is not my responsibility to make other people understand. And as women, like we do, but we shouldn't. It's, yeah. not, it's our life. And like, we are responsible for our own happiness.
0: And ultimately, that's the thing. It's, it's just like gatekeeping who you follow on Instagram and your happiness in that way. It's gatekeeping what you want to do with your life and your happiness in that way. And Ultimately, like, who who cares? It's hard to let go of. I know it is the, you know, the perception that other people have of you because you want it to be positive. Like, how many people are like, oh, I hope people think I'm a dickhead? Right. Like, so few, right? Right. Everybody wants to be liked, I think, at their core. Right. At least by some part of the community. And that's not always going to happen. No. Like, it's no, just not. The, the, it's the impossible.
2: No matter what you choose, somebody isn't going to like it. So why not choose the thing that at least you're going to like? Because regardless, someone's not going to like it. So do the thing that you're is going to actually make you happy. And if people don't vibe with it, then that's fine. They can move on to somebody else.
0: <laughs> oh, absolutely, and uh, you know, it's it's something that I still do have a problem with. And like, I can. You know, I'll look at it objectively and I'll be like, I don't care what other people think. But then, you know, I'll have one person give me like a semi-rude comment online and then I'll spend the next two hours sitting them down for a conversation in the DMs until they like me. And (laughs) Libby, I will force them to freaking like me. I will talk them, talk their ear off until they see things from my perspective and are like, oh yeah, I guess. Okay, you're nice. And then I'll leave it. Like, I don't know why. I give them that time. It's intrinsic.
2: I used to, I had a season, especially on TikTok, where I was like that. And like every negative comment would just like grate on me. And it didn't matter if there was like a thousand like amazing comments, like one ignorant comment from someone who just like didn't understand that your life goes beyond a 15 second video <laughs> <laughs> would just like grate on me and be like, how can you think that? And it would like ruin my day, ruin my mm. week comments mm-hmm. like that no I know and so it's really it's really hard to just accept that some people don't get it and some people aren't gonna like you and they're just at a completely different place in their life mm-hmm. yeah
0: no yeah. to remedy that I just got real block happy and now it's just like oh. all right not wasting my time and I would just block I block maybe five people a day do you if we have a video going viral and we're getting mm-hmm. like comments I block five people a day yeah for sure
2: yeah I like can easy. see that But your style of video too, I feel like you have to, I don't want to say have a certain level of intelligence, but you have to have like a certain (laughs) level of like understanding of like dry wit and sarcasm and people who have, and satire and like people who don't, understand it would just be so confused and I don't know like is that the comment you get where people just don't get it they think you're being serious maybe a lot of people think that but I leave
0: those I leave and like you go through it I'll have so many bad comments but I don't care about those but it's when somebody wants to get really personal right yeah and I'm like how why why are you taking time out of your day to get personal with me on a satirical video even if it was realistic is it worth it to write this nasty thing Right. And then I just I just block them, and it feels so good. I feel like a little, like a little power trip. I feel like oh, I'm yeah. playing God every time I block oh, somebody. Yeah. Actually, for sure. Like it's you don't nicer. have access
2: to me anymore. Like <laughs> you don't deserve <laughs> access to my genius. So bye. <laughs> I fully agree.
0: I'm going to start looking at it like that, especially now. And you know, Libby, speaking about content, like. Your content is fantastic and you just really are so good at doing it. And lately I've been seeing a lot of posts talking about seasonal depression and, you know, kind of prepping for that. Is that something that you deal with all the time or are you talking about it like, sorry, like yearly, seasonally, I guess? Or is that something you like to talk about because you have gone through it and you know that other people are, you know, might be in that, why do I keep saying season, season of their life?
2: I know what you mean you know what I mean so I struggle with depression like point blank like I struggled a little bit as a teenager and then you know in my early 20s I was sort of okay and then like I said like two under two, like sunk me into the pit and I feel like ever since then I'm just always sort of teetering like I I always struggle with depression and I have seasons like not like just fall but I have seasons of life where things are better and things are worse and it really comes in waves. And sometimes it just hits me like a ton of bricks and I didn't see it coming. For example, like three days ago, like I've been doing so good for like a, a while. And all of a sudden I just woke up one morning with this like negative, like apathetic view of everything. Like mm, all my, that feeling. all my creative juices were gone. All of my self-confidence was gone. All of my drive, everything just sort of seemed to just like, it was like emptied out. And I'm like, what happened? And it just coincided with the weather and my cycle. But yes, I think that I talk about it just to normalize it. You know, and I, I story a lot. And I do a lot of different polls. And it, it's a vast majority of women who struggle with depression, not just postpartum, <clears throat> postpartum, and then going forward, just into life, I feel like in general, it sort of like sets the tone. And we're always a little bit susceptible to it. So I always just try and keep the conversation open and be honest, especially because I feel like sometimes people now put me on a pedestal just because I had a certain follower count, or just because I made them laugh or whatever, (laughs) like people sort of are, you know, they put you on this pedestal, like, Oh, you're such an amazing mom, or you're, you know, you're so creative, or all these things. And I'm like, you don't know that I have laid in my bed, staring at my ceiling for 48 hours, like, you don't know that I said no to playing with my children all day because I hate myself and I have no energy. Like, and so I try to, you know, to normalize, like we can be creative and we can be joyful and we can be social and we can be all these like good things, but also struggle with depression and normalize sort of both sides of those things and talking about practical things I think for a long time because I am in the mental health space online and because I've done a lot of reading I sort of feel like oh well everyone knows you know exercise helps everyone knows it's okay to talk to a therapist everyone knows uh you know to take vitamin D or I sort of have this thing in my head of like I've heard it talked about so much it's easy to assume that like everyone has a general understanding but I talk to people every single day on social media Mm -hmm. you know they ask me for tips on something and you know. I'll tell them, you know, I go for a walk every day and that helps. They're like, Oh, I never thought of that. And it's beautiful. And it breaks my heart at the same time that I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like there's so many people who, you know, maybe people in their lives don't talk about mental health. Like it's a a regular thing and they, you know, they need it to be talked about and normalized and be told those simple things. Right. Like Mm -hmm. that, that help. It's huge.
0: Well, like growing up for me, I, I didn't know anybody. I was going to say who had any mental health issues or at least who spoke about them, not a single person. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And it wasn't until even I was really in university, I guess, that people started kind of talking about it. But even then, I found that the people, even some of the people I feel like I lived with, like some of my roommates, that possibly had mental health issues, they'd mask it with alcohol. And that possibly turned into something a little different, a little scary in its own way. Mm -hmm. and. It was not anything that people talked about. And then as I'm getting older and, you know, in this mom space now, it's something that I hear more often. But again, I don't have any experience with it. I don't know how people deal with it. Right. And that's why, like, when I had postpartum anxiety after my first daughter, I was like, what the hell am I feeling? What do I do with this? Like, so I'd kind of share as I was learning along. And now with the postpartum rage it hit me like a ton of bricks because I am, what, like 17 months postpartum? What? Right. Why is this happening at this point? Right. And again, I don't have coping strategies. I don't know what to do. So we got a freaking Peloton, and th- that's that's fun. I like yeah. that because I like working out, and I do feel better when I work out. But it, like, I am one of the people that your videos and conversations like that are so helpful to. Honestly, because now you know, some things seem oh, like how I, how did I not know this? That is so simple. But right. really, nobody talked about these kinds of things right. in front of nobody.
2: That's so interesting and surprising to me because, again, as someone from the outside looking in, you would never think those things, you know, looking at you or talking to you or engaging with you, you would never assume that you struggle with those things. And I think that's something we always <laughs> need to remember, right? like Yeah. People don't walk around with it plastered on their foreheads, right? But so many people, (laughs) so many people are struggling silently. Mm -hmm. And even the number of messages I get saying, you know, I I didn't want to comment this on your video because I didn't want people in my life to see it. But, you know, and they spill all this stuff. And it's like, people are carrying like very heavy stuff. And I feel like we just need to talk about it more. Like, I honestly Mm -hmm. feel like opening the conversation, even just with like, people and the community and our friends can be just as therapeutic as going to therapy mm-hmm. I agree and cheaper and and cheaper you know <laughs> people talk about I don't have accessibility to therapy and I'm like I'm pretty sure reading all three of Renee Brown's book did more for me than going to therapy for a year <laughs> and a half just like and just changing that mindset have you read Glennon Doyle's book on I haven't yet I'm, oh dying, my, to. Go, okay. I'm dying to okay yeah, I'm telling I you to right a podcast. now podcast I need, I need to read the book. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Oh, and she talks so much just about like parenting and like what our purpose is as parents. And I feel like, like it all connects with mental health. Like people would think, oh, parenting and mental health is separate. No, it's not. Like, and no. the way we view our so children and the way we view ourselves and the shame we put on ourselves and the way we make ourselves feel about our actions and how we parent mm-hmm. directly affects our mental health. Yeah. And I honestly feel like my mental health is most affected by my own thoughts, which sounds so ambiguous, but like, if I change, you know, when I changed my mindset about how I perceived how I parented and what a good mother looked like, that helped me get through it because I then wasn't giving myself the narrative of you're a bad mom, which contributed to the depression. I was giving myself the narrative of you're a good enough mom and good enough is Mm -hmm. absolutely good enough. And then you feel like you're successful when you set the bar low, (laughs) when you set the bar a little bit lower and you reach it every day, you're like, man, I'm good at this. <laughs> but if you have I the bar up bar. here, right, if you have the bar up here, and you've always been able to reach it, and all of a sudden, one day you can't reach it, of course, you're going to feel terrible. Right? Yeah. So Absolutely. You no, know. I
0: love a low set bar. And I love this is Why I like keeping lists. If I'm trying to get through things, I even write down the most mundane things that of course, I'm going to do. Right. If I'm having a bad day, I write that on my list just so I can cross it off
2: because it's something that you did that day yes Mm -hmm. um and i do like i would love to have a conversation sometime about that like transition from one to two kids because i honestly Mm. feel like with my first i was able to achieve a lot of the standards i set for myself you know like no no processed food or no tv till they're two no sugar all these things and then i got this sense of pride of like i'm doing it like I made all her meals and I breastfed her for fit. And you get this like weird sense of pride. And then when you're unable to meet your own expectations with the second and you have all these needs and it's more than two times the work, then because you put your worth in, I could do all these things and now you can't do them. Well, then your worth's not there because your worth was set in something. It shouldn't have been set in the first place. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel that way about motherhood. I feel that way about, beauty and meeting those beauty standards and mm-hmm. there's so many aspects of life that I think we need to we need to lower that bar <laughs>
2: lower the bar and then you don't even have to reach you can just tap it and then you're good and you can feel good about yourself and then everyone's happy
0: <laughs> no it's the best and you know obviously Libby like you have you have great experience you have really great insight and pretty soon now correct me if I'm wrong you kind of mentioned this to me uh, when we were speaking you are going to bring your experience and what you have to say to the blogosphere.
2: I am. Yes. Tell me about it. When, when does this happen? Well, I thought blogs were dead um, and I've learned that (laughs) that they aren't, you know, I've always been interested in writing. I went to school for journalism right out of high school, didn't finish, but I went, I've always had this like desire to write. I've always been creative and uh, you know what, as women we need to talk about what we're good at and not, like feel like we need to excuse it. I have a way with words. I can put people's feelings into words that they can't put into. And writing is therapeutic for me. And so after, you know, doing all this stuff on TikTok and Instagram, I'm like, I have so much to say. Like I max, if you look at my Instagram account and you look at a post, like I max out the characters. Um, and it's so frustrating because I'll write a post and then I'll go to copy and paste it like into Instagram. And it's like, max characters. I have to take them away.
0: So like wait libby hold on you gotta use spacey
2: oh you don't use this no look wait wait okay no
0: okay i don't use it because it it puts it puts the line breaks in for you and it gives you the character max out so you know how much because i'm like you i I write big long
2: captions and i max it out right use this i'll text you this it's really good Right. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Cause I have so much to say about motherhood and mental health and generational trauma and these things. And people ask me really in-depth questions and I, I don't have the time to respond to every single person. And I was like, but I want to, like, I want to connect with them and I want to give them more resources and I want to share more of my story and my experiences. And for me, the natural progression was a blog, like write it down, keep it in one space, have it be your own. And so a couple months ago I was like, we're doing this. You know, if we're not going to teacher's college, we're going to start a blog. So um, I decided to launch a blog. I've been writing and creating and branding myself a little bit more. And so in the next couple of weeks, actually, it will be. Man. Launched. Yeah. I'm That's very, so very excited about it. Yeah.
0: And is there a domain that listeners like, can we know what it is ahead of time so that they can go and check it out when it when it launches?
2: Yes. It's www.diaryofanhonestmom.com. So it's my username just as a web address. So yeah, I think I think right now there's a little icon when you open it, my little picture. You can subscribe to email. So if you're super eager, you can do that now. Um and I'll be talking about all the same things I talk about on my other channels, motherhood and mental health and all that cool stuff. So
0: you're gonna be so good at I'm so excited to see it. You're gonna be you're gonna be so good. Thank you. I can't wait to read it. And eager beavers listening to this, go subscribe. But Libby, where can people find you? TikTok where you have like a wild amount of followers and
2: Instagram where you also have a wild amount of followers. Yes, TikTok, Instagram, Diary of honest Mom on both of them. So
0: amazing. Yeah, yeah like just keeping it nice, yeah. succinct,
2: everything yeah. all in one. Trying place. to keep it all in one. So there you go.
0: <laughs> Libby, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. I'm so happy that we got to do this and so quickly. Really, it was such a blast getting to know you. Like not just even going out, but getting to know you guys because for, there was, what, four, five of us that spent yeah. like a significant amount of time together last week because we all went together and went out for dinner. And it was honestly so nice. And you are such a lovely person. You are amazingly talented with what you do online. And I'm just, yeah, so happy that you uh, hung out with me today oh. on this gross day. You made thank it
2: a little brighter. You, thank you so much. Yes, it definitely has changed my day around. So thank you for having <laughs> this conversation with me and inviting me on here. It's been really fun.
0: Hell yeah. will do it again. All right. See ya. Bye, Libby. Take Bye. care, eh?
1: That was the Libinator.
0: The Libster. I feel
1: liberated.
0: Ooh, I like it. I, You know, I did, though, after our conversation, I felt so good. I love talking, and, and listeners know this, I, I love talking about...
1: To Libsterine? <laughs>
0: to Libsterine. But I love talking about, you know, the expectations of mothers, whether you're a new mother or an old mother or whatever, and... How we're all just kind of reshaping those expectations and what it does mean to be perfect. And I really liked Libby's take on everything.
1: How have you been liking the Peloton, too? I meant to talk about this off the top. I'm sorry. Ooh. You had a bad non sequitur off the top. Now I have one. Well,
0: I know we, we, we'll sneak this in, in the uh, in the mailbag segment. Baby. Oh, OK,
1: speaking of mailbag segment, it is the mailbag segment <laughs> right now. This is where Alex takes listener questions answers them. She researches them online. Not I,
0: much needed to be researched. No. This week. Okay.
1: Well, let's get into it.
0: All right. Hey, the question we could sneak that in is the first question. I didn't know that. What is something you want to start doing, stop doing and continue doing? So Shane, while you think, I will say, I want to start being able to relax my brain and my emotions and I, I really need to be able to tune my stress out or address my stress, I guess, is the real solution here. I need to address my stress before it gets to a point where, you know, I feel bad at it. So I, I want to start paying more attention to that. What do I want to stop doing? Totally related. I want to stop getting so frustrated. I need to stop for the sake of my mental well being and. Like, I, I don't think I show it that, like, in detrimental ways, do I?
1: Well, lately you have. You do the thing where you kind of mouth swear words at me.
0: Right. When you're
1: angry. So yeah. I can tell because you're saying, like, the F word at me, but you're not saying it out loud. You're saying nice words, and then you'll be like, F you, mouthing it to me.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so I don't I say F you. I, I, don't, I don't ever say F you. I'll be like, oh, f in this.
1: Yeah, but it's quite scary. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why is it scary?
1: Well, just because it's odd, and I've never seen you act this way. You'll be like, oh, can we just do this? I'll be like, oh, no, we can't do that. You're like, <laughs> and you're like, oh, that's okay. But you just mouth <laughs> like F this life or something. And it's just odd. It seems yeah. like something like, I don't know.
0: Mm, it's frustrating. Uh, so yeah, I got to stop doing that. And what I want to continue doing, I want to continue working out. And I have been feeling so good. So Shane and I got our Peloton up and running. It is so much fun. I don't want to be like a shill. Like we're, we're we're not getting, you know, we're not working with Peloton or anything. But I, I do want to just say whether it's Peloton or like another bike or whatever it is, it feels like so good to have a piece of really good piece of workout equipment in our house. But then having the instructors there, like motivate you, like I'll be really down in the workout and like really feeling tired. And then Cody Rigsby, who's our favorite instructor.
1: Well, we haven't really gotten anyone (laughs) else. Because he's
0: so good. But he'll be like, I know it's tough right now. I know it's tough. Just get through this one. Then he'll make some like sassy jokes. And it really does. Pick me up and like I love it. I love every aspect of the Peloton, and I get a hell of a sweat, like dripping in places I didn't know could drip sweat. Earlier today, I worked out first thing this morning, and I had sweat go inside my nostril, and it kind of like it was really uncomfortable, and I couldn't get it out, but. Didn't know I could sweat in those places. I'm
1: working out right after this interview.
0: This is insane to me. Folks, it is currently 1028 p.m. P.m.
1: Yeah. So that's something I, I wanted to start doing, which was working out every single day with no excuses on the Peloton. And mm-hmm. it's only half an hour, which does help. Yeah. And Cody's motivation helps. Cody Rigsby. So that's something I want to start doing. Did we go through all your things? Yeah. I I don't want to miss out on that. Okay. So that's something I want to start doing. Something I want to stop doing is stop being overwhelmed. Yeah. And what's the other thing? Continue. I want to continue the trajectory we're on with this family tree stuff because this is the best things have ever been for us Mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, popularity sounds like such a not so humble brag, but... I don't know. I'm feeling pretty good right now about everything. And years ago, when we started this, I think this right now is where we wanted to be instantly Mm
2: -hmm.
1: years ago. We thought like a month in, we'd be (laughs) like, I don't know, like the Kardashians or something. (laughs) And now that we're the Kardashians now, but we are at a place that feels vindicating. It's so good. Especially for all the people who've been making fun of us for all these years that we just found out about. (laughs)
0: Friends and family. Yeah,
1: friends and family have been <laughs> ripping us apart behind our backs.
0: Yeah, well, they can suck it now because we're getting a new fireplace this week, so.
1: Yeah, exactly. Joke's on them. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you have any family traditions from childhood that you now do with your own children? So the first thing that I think of and the thing that I like the most, uh, Christmas commercials. So every Christmas, Christmas Eve, with my cousins and stuff, you know, we open up all our presents on Christmas Eve. It's a, the European, the Polish thing to do. And then with our new gifts and what we have around the house, we do a commercial, like a funny commercial and we videotape it. And then once we're done videotaping it, the whole family gathers around in the living room and we all watch this funny commercial or commercials. And we did that last year for the very first time. Lucy made her debut. She was amazing. You had a great cameo.
1: I had a good role. One thing I hate about this tradition is when people ask me to direct or come up with any ideas. (laughs) When I'm off and not work, because this is what I do for a living, write and direct commercials. And we do this for this family tree. We're making Mm -hmm. TikToks. I hate doing it when I'm off. So even though it's a fun thing and cute mm -hmm. with kids, I cannot do any work creative work when i'm off because it's so much work to me in my mind
0: i made it easy for you last year i wrote directed and edited it yes
1: i love that and i just and had I just an acting you role, the lines and i thought it was funny it was i crazy. thought i delivered my line well you i thought it well. worked well with the story and it went off without a hitch it was very funny you were
0: the salami delivery man weren't i was you? No. <laughs> so, my line
1: was salami delivery
0: <laughs> classic <laughs> all right oh do you have any traditions that you have the we are doing or that you want to start doing.
1: <sighs> Ordering Domino's pizza is kind of a tradition. I used to go. order that a lot at my house, mm-hmm. my mom's.
0: The Friday night's pizza night.
1: Sunday night used to be our Domino's night because that's when you could get it for $4.99, believe it or not. Whoa. Yes. Delivery.
0: Can- Shane, okay, Shane and I were at the grocery store today. We saw single cans of flavored water for $4.99. That to was, get a pizza isn't
1: that, that bizarre. Was, I think it was $5.99. It might have been.
0: That was sickening. Yeah. Sickening. First single can.
1: I just wanted a sip.
0: I wanted a sip, and then I wanted to take that company down. Yeah. Being so unless selfish. they
1: sponsor us, in which case. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. The next question is not a question; it's a demand.
1: Let's Give sure. each
0: other a compliment. Okay. Do you want me to go first?
1: Yeah.
0: All right. Shane and I have been killing ourselves. Uh, all day for the last two days and that's why we're recording at 10 30 p.m at night over this video that we're trying to make uh, for work and Shane you are I, and I told you this last night so I'm kind of repeating a compliment but you are so good at what you do you're so skilled and it's very crazy to watch and it try to wrap my head around sometimes what you can envision so easily and I have to sit there and like really work it out and really try to figure out what you mean because you can just, you come up with these concepts and you know what's funny. You already know what the edits are going to look like and you have it all kind of circulating in your head. And then it's it's amazing. You're so helpful to me in coming up with ideas. Like we were sitting down yesterday for a brainstorm and I like couldn't keep up with all your ideas. They're just flying out and everything was good. Like everything was so funny. You are so inherently funny and talented, and uh, I admire you so much for that.
1: No, oh, thank you, Alex. That's a that's a good one. Thank you. Very few compliments affect me because I feel like they're not good compliments. They're usually just like, "Oh, you're so hot, Shane." You know, and I'm <laughs> like, stop. I'm kidding. No one has ever told me that. I tell you that all the time. I know, but I mean, you know, like it's, yeah, it does mean a lot, but I do find (laughs) sometimes your taste is interesting in what you find attractive.
0: Do I have to tell you you look hot less to make you appreciate the times that I tell you? Because I think I tell you too often that you look hot.
1: It's fine. I'm just saying a real compliment like you just gave affects me and it hits different as they say than the typical surface stuff. However... (laughs) to you. I know you actually like compliments on your appearance, especially if it's from a person who loves you. I think you look very good. <laughs> and you emanate such a nice kind thing when you're not like mouthing swear words. <laughs> it's like I would say you you're the definition when people say, "Oh, she's beautiful inside and no. out." I would say that is the definition of you, Alex.
0: Well, thank you. And I you. think you're
1: very smart and capable kind. I don't know. I I think I could task you with anything and I would not think that you wouldn't be able to do it. Mm -hmm. Like there's, I couldn't think of one thing that I don't think you could do. Whereas I wish someone could say that about me, but I feel like I'm very specifically good at one thing in the world.
0: No, well, that's something that we kind of talked about last night. I said, you know, at all these things that you're amazing at, that I'm not amazing at, you can just kind of swoop in and really help guide us and be the person and then in the places that you're lacking i tend to be good other than creative (laughs) motor and it's good and it's it's so simpatico and i i really appreciate that about us and our relationship uh next question the most challenging thing you've experienced as a couple and as an individual so I'd say as an individual, I already touched on it a little bit, but yeah, the death of my bobcha was really hard for me, still is. Uh, and as a couple, I'd say the first four months postpartum with either kid, because each time was such a learning experience. Not only that, it was a time of huge physical changes in me, in our lives, we now have one kid and then two humans to care for. Our lives getting totally disrupted in so many ways, individually and as a couple, uh, and just learning to get through that and learning how to help each other, but also help our child and help ourselves. And it really was tough. And and to get over those moments, I think is so is so huge.
1: Yeah, for me, it was, okay, so there's phases. Like the dating you phase was tough on me mentally just because I felt like I didn't know if you liked me for real or if you were faking it. (laughs) I I couldn't really tell what was going on there. Then I realized you actually did like me, love me. (laughs) Okay, so that was tough. Then starting this family tree because your eyes get really big with ideas and ambition, Mm -hmm. but actually cracking down and becoming successful at something you don't really like that follow through because sometimes it's it's too hard to hard. break through. And it's so much more fun to just get sent a bunch of free stuff and <laughs> be a shill for companies and make money. But there's so much that goes on yeah. behind it. And I knew a lot went on behind that. And you weren't really initially willing to do the work. You just wanted the spoils. Mm-hmm. So I, I I did resent you for lack of a better term for a little bit because it seemed like I don't know. You were being a, a brat about it, I thought. No thanks. No, but not now. It it took you a long time yeah. like it, it's almost like before you would say I'm an inherently lazy person or something along those lines mm-hmm. and didn't want to do work like this. It wasn't you didn't say you're inherently lazy. You said I want to enjoy life. I don't want to work Go so hard. Go with the hard. flow, yeah. Go with the flow. But it's the it's not possible when you're this becomes a side hustle, right? Yeah. And then slowly you just became to develop a really solid work ethic and get into habits that could set you up for success but what was hard was so many times early in our relationship when we were starting this family tree I would say, do you want to quit mm-hmm. I don't care if we go on and you would say no But you wouldn't, you still wouldn't do the work. And I was like, (laughs) oh, my stomach was in knots. It really, it really drove me wild.
0: Oh, I know. And it was tough. It was so tough. And I had to learn how badly I actually wanted to do this. Cause every time we'd get in a discussion, say, do we quit? I would feel physically revolted by the idea. You talk about your stomach getting in knots. That would put my stomach in knots. And I'd be like, oh, no, this means a lot to me. But I didn't have the tools or the, inclination
1: the, to do that yeah,
0: yeah yeah and i had to learn that i think for myself and you know through your help and everything but yeah no because it's stressful it. for
1: me because i can't fail if someone and and what i why i say that is because i never give up mm-hmm. so you if you i could be 90 and i'd still say i haven't failed because we're still working towards something yeah. but if you give me permission to give up i will because this was something you wanted to do. And I would help you with literally anything you wanted to do. That's why I was caught between a rock and a hard place. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Because I was just thinking, well, I'm going to have to make this work with somebody who wants it to work, but doesn't (laughs) want to put in any work. Anyway, that was a tough effing phase for me. What else? Oh, The day we brought home Betty, that was a tough phase. I remember the second Lucy met Betty and your parents left, you just broke down on the couch and started crying. It was like they hate each other because Lucy really wasn't happy. And it just seemed so it was hard tough all beginning. of a sudden. That, yeah, it was, and so it seemed hard. like it was never going to get better.
0: I know, I know. But it is it, very tough, though. It is. It's so tough. It's so tough, but it's also uh, it's also the best. It's tough, but it's the best. Uh, okay, the next question, again, is not a question. We have a statement. It says, I'm only identifying as a shaniac from now on, FYI.
1: Okay, wait. Who is, this is a male, obviously. Yes. Okay, uh, is this P- Papa Pe- Petey? Who? I, I, I'm not good with names. What's what? a, what's this person's well, name? let me check. Is it Brandon? No. I bet it's Brandon. Okay. Oh, it's uh, Magnus.
0: The Mike Gallant Show.
1: Yes, I knew it was that guy. Who, yes. Yeah,
0: yeah. So he's uh, he's a big fan of yours, Shane.
1: No, he's, he's a really nice guy. And typical Sh- Shaniacs, by the way. I'm on another podcast called Mike on Much. And this is what we call the three people who are fans of me who <laughs> listen to that podcast. Uh, because I'm always complaining about how I'm the least popular member. So, the three fans of me banded together and they call themselves Shaniacs.
0: Hold on, I have a question about this because what? somebody wrote a comment on something you guys did recently, maybe the Reba one, and the comment was something along the lines of "I don't know why everybody always hates Shane or I don't know why everybody <laughs> hates Shane. He's my favorite." Going on like that, and I was like, "Well, I appreciate that this person says uh, they're your favorite, and also I've taken down her name mentally, and you know it's in the book along with any other woman who ever compliments you." Just, just kidding, just kidding. But, you're um, not kidding. <laughs> but, what was she talking about? What, like, the hating? Who's well, hating on you? Is this? No did did I miss an me. episode?
1: No, I went to a Raptors. Uh, I was gonna say Raptors show. I went to a Raptors game, and Mike and Max, Max Kerman of the Arcals if you're in Canada, you know who that is. And Mike is the po- host of Mike and Much. Went to a Raptors game, so Mike and Max are in the box for like famous people, <laughs> and I'm. Sitting in pretty good seats, but I am i wasn't allowed in the box with Mike or Max. Anyway, these fans of the podcast wanted to take a photo with Mike and Max. So they rushed down to get me thinking that these people care about me. And they go, oh, these pod fans want a photo with the gang. Shane, make sure you're in the photo. So I'm like flattered. I'm like, <laughs> oh, they want a photo with me. I run up. These women do not know really who I am. <laughs> They do not talk to me. They do not say hi. They do not say bye. And I was a little embarrassed. And I went back to my seat and my friend Mark Myers said, oh, how how are the fans? I go, they didn't know who I was. They weren't (laughs) fans of me. They're not Shaniacs. And on the podcast, I illustrated the story. Anyway, these women listened to that episode. One of the message and was just like, listen, I have anxiety and alcohol and the you're the favorite, my favorite part of the show, which I don't believe. They were just kind of, you know, <laughs> scrambling to say something. But anyway, that's the story behind it.
0: That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, I was curious about that. That's very funny. Okay, next question. And Shane, I need your help with this one. Okay. My hubby needs to have his sperm tested. We have one child, but haven't fallen pregnant since my miscarriage last year. I've done all my testing, but he is very nervous. Any tips? So the only thing I could say is, well, you have one kid, so you know it's possible. And the one thing that helped me after my miscarriage in trying to conceive again was just, and it's going to be so different for everybody. Uh, but for me, I just kept reminding myself that, hey, like we can adopt if we really want to. And if we really want a child and can't have one biologically, Let's go that route. And that was so comforting to me
1: for yeah, some Yeah, especially if you always wanted a child that shares your genes. Mm-hmm. Once you do it, the decision to d- adopt is a lot easier on the second one. That's the way I looked at it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, everyone looks at things differently. But in terms of what this man is scared of, what is he scared of? That he won't ever have a genetic, like a kid with his genes? No, or No, because they, they to- have a child. I know, but I'm saying that he won't have another one? Or is he scared to get his sperm tested? Because if you get your Mm -hmm. sperm tested, it's not like getting a vasectomy. You just ejaculate (laughs) into a cup and it feels good to ejaculate. It doesn't (laughs) hurt, right? What? Is that bad?
0: No, it's the opposite of, I guess, what a vasectomy would feel like.
1: Yeah. So I don't think this person should be scared. I got my sperm tested and it was fine.
0: There you go. So you've been through it.
1: So I recommend testing. (laughs) <laughs> we had to cut just to, to let the listeners know we had to cut a lot of what i just said out because alex didn't think it was appropriate but i'm just saying it's a good time
0: all right moving on this is the final question of the night would you consider tracking your cycle naturally by using a thermometer to check your temperature if i, was- I
1: guess oh that's for you
0: <laughs> yeah if I was trying to get pregnant, definitely, I, I mean, although like the sticks are really easy, I think you just like pee on a stick and it'll tell you if you're ovulating or not. The thermometer thing, again, if I wanted to track and wanted to, you know, start taking my temperature a couple times a day, I would. Ultimately, if I want to get pregnant, that's what I do. But uh, if you guys actually go and listen to episode 8, episode 11 and 99, but especially episode 8 of our podcast with Victoria Alexander, who's the elephant in the womb. She's like a period guru. And she talks about how to track your cycle just based on discharge. And it's fascinating, worked, and that's how we got pregnant with Betty two weeks after the miscarriage.
1: There you go. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But that's it, babe.
1: That's it. That is all. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you're giving us a five-star rating. Are you? Come on. Come on. It's Halloween. Give us a break. I don't know.
0: (laughs) It's Halloween.
1: (laughs) Anyway, thank you for listening to This This Family Family Tree Tree Podcast. Podcast.
0: Episode 108.